Hello again. God is a faithful God and we've entered into the month of June. We're so grateful He's brought us thus far and um, we're going to have a great time this Sunday. Enjoy. I'm sure that you've enjoyed yourself in the Lord during this period and the praise and worship has been wonderful. I want to thank God for them and the team that's doing all the media work. It's a lot of effort and work going into it and God's grace has been there. But still, I just want to say thank you and uh, may the Lord reward you richly. Hallelujah. Praise God. So today we're going to um, have Sister Shoba helping us with translation. And um, it's going to be a blessing. Praise God. I'd like us to start first of all by reading something that's going to be a thread in a couple of places. But I'm going to start first of all with Jesus talking about some things in uh, the book of Mark and the fourth chapter. Mark chapter 4, and um, you will notice there he talks about the parables of the kingdom and how the word has to be treated just like a seed and where the hearts of men are like the ground where the seed is being planted. And uh, he goes on and he talks about all that. And then the Bible says in verse 36, And when they had sent the multitude away, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him um, other little ships. And verse 37 says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And verse 40 says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I'd like us to just see verse 40 there in Canada first. So he has just completed talking about how the seed has to be treated in a certain way that we have to make sure that there's nothing uh, choking the life of the seed and that the ground is not stony but it has depth of earth and all of those things and the Bible says that same day after teaching them all these things, he said, let us go to the other side. Uh, there was a sea that they had to cross. And the Bible declares that Jesus was sleeping. He must have been tired because it was a long day and he was sleeping there. And then a storm arose upon that sea and it began to fill the whole ship. And it began to experience sinking and they panicked and they cried out for fear and they came and woke him up and said, don't you care that we perish? And then he said some statements there, you know, which we're going to talk about. First of all, they accused him of not caring. 
And God says He cares for us lovingly, tenderly, affectionately. And so they accused Him of not caring. But notice that after He had rebuked the storm and spoken to the winds, everything became calm. And then He says to them, Why are you so fearful? Why is, where is your faith? Notice that. So He had taught them all these things and expected immediately after that, no matter what the test they were supposed to apply these things. So there will always be tests coming up after you have understood when you've been taught by the Lord, by the Spirit of God. There's going to be tests. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So no matter what the test, no matter what the trials, we'll have to now uh, go back and check and see what we have studied, what we have learned from the Lord, and apply them. We're not just hearers of the Word, but doers only. Amen. So notice in verse 35, he said, The same day when even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Let's hear verse 35 also in Kannada, please. So he said immediately after his teaching and all of his illustrations was over, he said, now let's go to the other side. Notice that that means it was Jesus, it was God's will that they should go across that sea, that river, that water body, and they should go to the other side. Notice that. So the Bible says there that according to the will of God, they had obeyed and gone and then rose a storm, then rose the challenge, and it's going to be like that. Sometimes you may wonder why are things happening, because I'm obeying God, I'm doing the right things, but that's exactly when these things happen. Because you're obeying God, because you have received understanding, because you've received some teaching, therefore you're going to be tested. It's the enemy that comes with the trials, with the tests, with the problems, and uh, you know, you have to deal with it. It's, it's not God that is doing these things. And so Jesus here is in the boat with them, notice that, and He's resting, He's uh, trusting the word that He has spoken, that they were going to go to the other side, and He has entered into that rest mode, and He's enjoying His rest. And then the disciples who had been instructed in these things suddenly seemed to have forgotten and were overcome with fear, and they came and started accusing Him of not caring for them and all of those things. So um, these thoughts are going to come to us as we go through life, and particularly in these days, with all these things happening, you're going to wonder if, you know, Jesus is with you. Uh, then is this God? Is this the world? What is happening? But based on what we are learning, we're going to act on the Word. We're going to have to speak to the situation, speak to the wind and the waves, demand that they obey in Jesus' name, and rest that what you have said is going to come to pass. Amen? So that's exactly what happened. Now, we're going to notice here, uh, verse 39, He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Let's hear that also in verse 39, Kannada, please. 
ಆತನು ಎದ್ದು ಗಾಳಿಯನ್ನು ಗದರಿಸಿ ಸಮುದ್ರಕ್ಕೆ ಸುಮ್ಮನಿರು ಮೊರೆಯ ಬೇಡ ಎಂದು ಅಪ್ಪನೆ ಕೊಟ್ಟನು ಕೂಡಲೇ ಗಾಳಿ ನಿಂತು ಹೋಗಿ ಎಲ್ಲ ಶಾಂತವಾಯಿತು the wind and the waves and of course the disciples were amazed that even nature was obeying him meanwhile he had just taught them some hours ago uh, how these words are going to be like the seed and how you have to treat them and then of course when the test came they were expected to act on what they had learned and he asked them you know why are you so fearful why are you fearful how how come that your faith has disappeared you have no faith you know so we'll have to uh release faith we'll have to act on the word of god which we heard hallelujah so now let's take a look at another story in a boat and this time we're going to very famous one about jonah so let's just go to the book of jonah and uh, you know jonah is a very interesting story it's almost like a a uh, legend because it doesn't sound like such a thing can ever happen how do you know that it is true that this thing happened that there was actually a big fish a whale that came and swallowed him and uh, he was in the belly of that whale how do you know it's true are you sure are you sure the bible is true you know all those kind of thoughts so you know the only person who can verify whether what uh we are seeing and reading in the scripture is true is jesus and so we'll always have to see whether he has quoted these things and so we we notice in matthew 12 verse 40 he says for as jonas was 3 days and 3 nights in the whale's belly he called it a whale so shall the son of man be 3 days and 3 nights in the heart of the earth notice that so jesus is putting his stamp on it and he's saying that that's the sign that i'm going to give you even as jonah was in the belly of the whale for 3 days and 3 nights so he was going to be in the heart of the earth that's a very powerful thing it's hanging on the very fact that jesus died and during that death situation he actually went into the place of the dead and paid the price for us Hallelujah so he's saying that it is not just uh, a legend but it is a very powerful truth and even his death is going to be based on that so we have to accept therefore that the story of Jonah is not just a story but an actual happening amen and uh, praise god let's just read that also verse 40 of uh, Matthew chapter 12 ಹೇಗೆ ಮೂರು ದಿನ ರಾತ್ರಿ ಹಗಲು ದೊಡ್ಡ ಮೀನಿನ ಹೊಟ್ಟೆಯೊಳಗೆ ಇದನೋ ಹಾಗೆಯೇ ಮನುಷ್ಯಕುಮಾರನು ಮೂರು ದಿನ ರಾತ್ರಿ ಹಗಲು ಭೂಗರ್ಭದೊಳಗೆ ಇರುವನು ನ್ಯಾಯ ವಿಚಾರಣೆಯಲ್ಲಿ ನೆನೆವೆ ಪಟ್ಟಣವರು ಈ ಈ ಸಂತತಿಯವರೊಂದಿಗೆ ನಿಂತು ಇವರನ್ನು ಅಪರಾಧಿಗಳೆಂದು ಹೇಳುವರು and so let's go to the story of jonah now and we'll go there and it's uh in the bible is four chapters and two chapters talk about this man in one particular mode and then after the second chapter he's out of the fish's belly and then he has to 
be in Nineveh. So first of all, you notice the word of the Lord came to Jonah that he should go and preach to the city of Nineveh all that God had said that they should turn from their wicked ways, they should repent. Otherwise that city was going to be destroyed. And according to Jonah, he knew that it was a very wicked city. And uh, it's uh, present day uh, called Mosul and it's in Iraq. A lot of those wars took place there recently. So it's a true city and um, it was a very powerful place but it was also wicked and uh, it was well known for its wickedness and so God had given them time to repent and uh, expected them to repent. So Jonah on the other hand was convinced that God was a merciful God, <laughs> that God would forgive them and he was very angry about it. And so he decided that he was not going to go and tell them. He was not going to go and preach to them because God would forgive them. And so he wanted uh, God to punish them actually and judge them and so on. Praise God. <laughs> it's a very interesting um, theme there. So there are people also, you know, who do not like the fact that God forgives and God is merciful and God is good. They prefer judgment, punishment, and you know, they, they only see God like that. And there are believers who expect us to go into the tribulation and suffer, and you know, according to them, that's the only way it is to serve God. But thank God, it's very plain that before the tribulation and before the Antichrist is revealed, He's going to take us out of here. Praise God. So anyhow, we're in the book of Jonah. And he told him in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Notice that he is basically not going to Tarshish or going any other place. He's just running away from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's hear this in verse 3 also in Canada. So he pays the fare and he boards a ship and he's running away from the presence of God. Maybe he forgot about the Psalms, how in 139 he says, Where will I flee from his presence? You know, and it even says among those verses there, that even if I go to the sea, He's there. If I go to the Father's sea, He's there. So it's interesting, maybe He forgot or I don't know how, but He decided that He could run away from the presence of God. And uh, verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Here you see God is actually sending a sea. Uh, I mean, a tempest, a wind, a strong kind of storm prepared and sent by God 
Very interesting. And so the Bible says it hit the sea and the mariners were afraid and they cried out. Every man began to cry out and uh, call upon his God. And the Bible says, but Jonah was in the side, in the very sides and down in the ship there and he was asleep. He lay and was fast asleep. Verse 6 says, the ship master or the captain came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? <laughs> what a name, O sleeper. Uh, Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us and that we perish not. Very interesting story. And he goes on, And they said everyone to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots. You know, it seems they believed that if you had a ballot there and you cast lots, that they could get an answer under such situations. That we may know for whose cause this evil is come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. <laughs> then they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this has happened? You know, what is your occupation? Which, which tribe do you come from? Which country do you come from? And all of that. And verse 9 said, He said unto them, I am a Hebrew. Oh, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. And the Bible says in verse 10, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Amen. Let's hear verse 10 in Canada also. Sister, thank you. Ivanu, Yehovana Sanidi in the Odi Bandavanu, Yambu Dano, Avaru, Madalu, Kelida, Yondu, Martin in the Ajanaru Tilidu Kondaru, Iga, Idanu Keli, Bahalavagi, Ederi, Idenu, Ninu Madidu, and the truth. And so the Bible continues to say that they, okay, what are we going to do? What should we do that the sea can be calm for us? You know, they were thinking about themselves basically as usual. And uh, what should we do, you know? And he said unto them in verse 12, Take me up, lift me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will be calm unto you. For you know, it's for my sake that this great tempest has come. So you can see here that there's a thought coming to us that we who are supposed to be a blessing to others, if we are not doing what we were supposed to, um, things could happen to others because of our you know, non-cooperation or disobedience. We are supposed to preserve them. We are supposed to help them. But if we are not doing that and we are knowingly turning away from that, we can actually be a hindrance to them. And uh, eventually, he says, verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard. They were compassionate and they thought, let's not do that. And they tried their best to row. They rode hard to bring it into the land. They could not. The sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. But the storm was so powerful that they were wasting their strength and their time. Then they gave up and they said, Okay, in 14, Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech you, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not this you know, innocent blood and all of that against us. You know, Things like that. They said, We don't want to be guilty of this man's blood. O Lord, Thou hast done as it has pleased Thee. And they took him, they took Jonah and they threw him into the sea. And guess what? 
the sea just calmed down. Hallelujah. Very interesting. Verse 16 says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered sacrifices and made vows. Then the Lord had prepared, he says, a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's hear verse 17 also in Canada. Interesting. So it is true, according to Jesus, that this man was swallowed by the whale and uh, he was in the belly of that whale for three days and three nights. Can you imagine being inside the, inside the huge belly of a whale under the sea with all of that stuff going on? Wow, that must be something. And the prophet had time to think about this amazing way of being captured and brought back into the presence of the Lord. And uh, God loves people so much. God loved Nineveh. God loves the world. God loves every city. And God has a message for that city. And uh, the message is always, why don't you look to me for your salvation? Why don't you turn away from your own ways? and seek my face. Hallelujah. And the Bible continues in the next chapter. Jonah prayed. You know, when they get into trouble, they pray, and the Lord answers. The Lord hears them, and He answers. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. It must be a very unique experience to pray out of the fish's belly. So you can pray anywhere. You can pray in the fish's belly, and God will hear you, because He's there. There's no place that He's not there. Verse 2, and he said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. He heard me out of the belly of hell, he calls it. So guess what? That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying that he went to hell. He actually went into the heart of the earth. And that's supposed to be the place where he paid for our sin. See, in Acts 13 also, uh, Paul preaching there in verse 33 talks about when he came out of hell, you know. So we must accept these things because they are powerful signs that Jesus has given us and uh, it's true and you cannot argue about it. It's in the Bible. And that was exactly what he did. Between the cross and the resurrection, those three days and three nights, he had to go and suffer in the belly of hell. He had to go there and bear our sin, the consequence of our failure. And he paid the price fully. Hallelujah. And he, he cried by reason of my affliction, he says, and he was heard. Verse 3, Thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas. The floods compassed me. He talks about all this. He talks about seaweed being all over here. And then he says, uh, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. The waters compass me about to the soul, and uh, I am enclosed by weeds. Verse 5, verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. And you know, he's just describing, maybe, maybe he looked through the fish, fish's eyes. I don't know, maybe that was the window, or maybe went through the gills and observed. I don't know, but he... He said he saw all these things, the bottom of the mountains, the bars of the earth, 
Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. Praise God. So notice here that when man is pushed sometimes to that kind of level, he has to remember the Lord. And even at that point, the Lord hears. Praise God. Let's hear verse 7 in Kannada, please. Amen. So he's already going ahead and saying, by faith, he's already talking and saying, God hears me, my prayer has come to your temple, and so on. Then in verse 8, he makes the declaration, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I like that statement. In other words, he has come to a point where he's admitting that it was vain to run away from God. You just, you better just not disobey Him. It is, it's not going to profit you anything. It's a waste of time. You're not going to achieve anything. You know, He can send a whale to swallow you, <laughs> He said. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is like one of those big signposts that God is saying, it's better you just obey what I'm telling you to. It's vanity otherwise. Don't follow any other course. Don't follow any other direction. Just obey what I'm telling you to do. He said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. So there is, there is mercy. Thank God there is mercy for everybody. God is a, is a merciful God. He's called the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. But we may have to turn our... Uh, thoughts towards Him and yield to His Word and His instruction to our lives so that the mercy will work. Amen? Otherwise we forsake our own mercy. Glory to God. Verse 9, He says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pray that I, what I have vowed, I, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Praise God. He says, I'm just going to thank you. He's gone into the place where he has believed that God heard his prayer and he's going to do what he said. I'm going to pay what I vowed and he's giving God thanks. And the Bible says, the Lord spake to the fish and it vomited him out. Praise God. That's chapter 2. It's just four chapters. And so two chapters are about him trying to run away and then he's in the whale's belly and crying out to God and speaks by faith and thanks God by faith and guess what? He's out. So guess how the third chapter should start. You guessed it, right? Exactly like that. He says there, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. God is like, I'm going to tell you the same thing again. Go. Go preach to Nineveh. Exactly what I said before, but I'm going to tell you again. I believe that means there's always another chance and you can start all over again. Hallelujah. God is the God of chances. And He gives us time to repent and adjust. And, you know, don't waste it. It's just vanity to run away from what He's telling us to do. Let's just stay in line. He's the Almighty God. He's the God of Jonah. He's our Father today. And there's a lot of mercy towards us. And it's better to just obey what He's telling you to do. Whatever it is He's telling you to do. And He goes on to say, 
Arise, go up to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto them the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah went ahead and did so. Verse 3, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, three days journey. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 3 in Kannada, please. The Bible declares that in verse 5 the people believed and proclaimed the fast even to the greatest of them, the king, all the way to the least of them. You know, they didn't eat anything, they didn't drink anything. Isn't that interesting? Hallelujah. And uh, it must have been tough. No food, no itch, no water. Verse 8, Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from this evil way, from the violence that's in their hands. You know, they actually went through the whole process of it and they just started to fast. And praise God, you know how God is. The minute you turn away and turn to Him and begin to seek His face, He's the God who welcomes us back with open arms and He wants us to get on with the program. Whatever we are created for, let's just do it. Amen? Everything else is vanity. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says, God saw their works, that they turned from the evil way, and God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. So we, we can hear verse 10 in Kannada. Praise God. And God is God and God is full of mercy. And anytime He seems to repent, it is only for man's benefit. He changes His mind for the benefit of man. That is, His soft spot is man. He loves us so much with amazing love, unquantifiable, immeasurable love, everlasting love that Anytime man begins to make some adjustments, he's like, okay, no problem. We, I mean, he has not changed. He's still the same. <laughs> you see, the covenants have changed. The times have changed, but God has not changed. He still loves us. We are the center of his affection. He loves us. And therefore, everything that's happening in the whole so-called ministry and the message is you know, to us, for our benefit. He's always thinking about us. He's always thinking about a nation. He's always thinking about people. He's always seeing through us to others. Hallelujah. It's better to just flow with Him. You know, Jonah was important. Yes, God loved Jonah Himself, but He was also important because He was seeing a whole nation through that man. And what He did was important. Because nations were involved. So we are beloved of God. We, he says, how awesome, how wonderful that we are called the beloved, the sons of God. But on the other hand, we are here because there are others also that he's looking to bless and open their understanding and bring them home. Hallelujah. And so we must not forget that God loves people 
and he's full of mercy and you know sometimes <laughs> like we've seen uh, his prophets and his people don't like that they don't like the fact that God loves people and he has a soft spot for people amen anyway verse 4 begins by I mean chapter 4 begins by saying in verse 1 it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry come on the fact that God just said, all right, it's okay, no problem. It just bugged him. It got him very angry. It displeased him. Think about that. Okay, so there is a part of us as born-again people, we are also in uh, two places. You know, we have a natural man that tries to dominate us, but the truth is the spirit man is full of the love of God and full of the person of Jesus on the other hand, there will come thoughts to us that maybe go totally against God and His plan and His purpose. And so, we may even get bugged that God is so good. But praise God. Let's hear this in verse 1. Kannada, please. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too much. Bahu, it's a lot. He was very angry, very displeased. And guess what? He prayed to the Lord, he says. He said, uh, was I not saying this when I was yet in the, my own country? This is what I was saying. Therefore I fled before <laughs> to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. And you repent of evil. Therefore, he's so angry. He says, therefore, O Lord, take my life. I beg you from me. He says, I don't want to live. It's better for me to die than to live. Wow. That's serious. Here's one man who is supposed to be a blessing to so many others. It has disturbed him so much that God is a good God, a merciful God. And he says, those guys deserve punishment. I cannot live to see this thing. I will not take it. It's better for me to die. He's telling God all these things. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's just been through a whale experience. And this is what he's saying. Wow. He shouldn't have prayed from the whale's stomach. He should have just kept quiet and watched the acid work. <laughs> Maybe taste a little bit of those intestines for yourself. You know, but there's an emotional part of man that needs to be renewed, that needs to be adjusted. You know, and this is a big message. And and Jesus relates to this man's life and that whole experience there. And he says, you know, I can tell you what. Hmm, the sign, that place is hell. I'm going to hell just like Jonah went to the whale's belly. So that was the closest sign that he could think of at that point, And it's recorded in the word of God forever. Amen. He said, I'd rather not live. Let's hear um, verse 3 in Kannada, please. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be happy? I mean, uh, angry? Is it a good thing that you should be angry? Why should you be angry? Do you have any actual reason to be angry? He's trying to reason with the person still. Can you see that kind of God? This is Old Testament. 
And he talks like this. And he has not changed. He still talks. He still says this kind of, do you have to be angry that I'm so good, that I'm so merciful, that I'm the God whose nature is love? Can you not just accept it? Can you just receive that? Can you not just think like me? And this guy is pouting there, you know, all messed up. Verse 5 says, So Jonah went out of the city and sat, he was so bugged, on the east side of the city, made a booth there, sat under it in the shadow, that he might see what would happen to the city. He's still expecting to see some judgment come upon that city. He said, I'm going to go sit out there and watch what will happen. He's sitting under some booth there. And the Lord God prepared a gourd, it says, a certain plant to grow. And came up there over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. Can you see this God of ours? He says, it's too much heat, man. You need to chill out. Let's put on the AC. Can you see a God like that? Or is AC too much? This is a God who made a special plant grow over, grow over him to just cover him uh, from his grief. To help him, you know. Aha. So Jonah was exceeding glad because of the God or that plant. But God prepared a worm. Here you see again, God prepared, God prepared. There God caused a storm and then God um, prepared and programmed a whale to come and swallow him. And then now he prepares and makes this special gourd to grow up overnight. Then he prepares a worm. So, you know, you can see God moving in these things. While the morning rose the next day and it smote the God that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said it's better for me to die than to live. So you can see this. There's a lot of emotions just like Elijah the man full of emotions and ups and downs. But God is still trying to reason and trying to see, let's talk about this, let's discuss. I believe this comes in the department of pouring out your heart to the Lord. Sometimes you may have to pour out your heart and apologize profusely after such outpourings. <laughs> I believe it's Psalm 62 and verse 8 that says, pour your heart out to the Lord. Amen? So you may have to sometimes talk to the Lord about all of these things and then wherever you have to apologize and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have talked like this, do it. He, you know, words can be stout. He said in Malachi, in the third chapter, I believe, uh, he said, your words have been stout. Amen. So we must be careful in the usage of words and what we say and tell the Lord, I'm sorry, I use such words even. But Hallelujah. You can see God trying to uh, bring him into a place and reason with him. Come, let us reason together. Come, let's talk. Let's, let's see. Do you have any right to say things like this? To feel like this? This is our God. This is fellowship. This is communing. Hallelujah. Amen. And verse 9, God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the God? He said, I do well to be angry even unto death. What? He's going on. Verse 10, Then said the Lord, 
Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Hallelujah. Let's hear, um, you know, in Kannada, let's hear verse 8 and 9 also, please. Suryanu Kutidaga, Devuru, Bisiyaga, Mudana Galianu, Yerpadisidanu, Bisilu, Yona and Atalege, Horielu, Avanu Murche Hogovanagi, Nanu, Badukudu, Baduku the Kinta, Sayu de Lesu, Indu, Maranavanu Kali Kondanu, Aga Devuru, Yona Nanu, Ninu, Sore Gidakagi, Situ Goluvudu, Serio, Indu, Kelalu, Yona no, Maranavago was Situ Goluvudu, Serie, Indu, Uttara Kotano, Adeke, Yohovano, Nino, our Sore Gidakagi, Kasta Padalilla, Belisalilla, Adu, Undu Ratrielli, Putti, Undu Ratriele, Nashawaitu. God created everything. We look around us and we feel sad for animals and things out there. How much more does he feel? Can you see a God who says, I own all these things. I created all these things. This is my earth. I created it to be beautiful. And so I have a right to feel compassion on the earth. And he feels all of these things. Praise God. And we need to start appreciating this. And he said, you did not do anything for that God. It came up in a night. It perished in a night. And you have a right to be angry, you say. Because it has disappeared. So he understands. We, we get all emotional and we speak out of our emotions and we just act upon our emotions. But he calls that all vanity. It's emptiness. You're, you're forsaking so much. You are actually uh, walking away from such a, a place of mercy and protection when you go down that path. And it's powerful to consider as you think about the next statement he makes. Verse 11, he said, Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, which is 120,000 persons, that cannot discern between their right and their left hand and much cattle, Praise God. So here we go. God is saying, I see people and I can tell that they don't know their right from their left. They don't know what's right and what's wrong. They're just going around like their cattle. There's no difference the way they're living. And I love people and I love my creation and I don't like to see it destroyed. And so God loved and gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting God kind of life. Hallelujah. So from these things you can see that there are state, statements or comments here that God created and spoke and prepared certain things. So sometimes, you know, believers get these ideas that it's God who's punishing us. It's God who made this happen and made that happen and so on. Hallelujah. But the minute you cross into the New Testament, you see Jesus in the boat and he's rebuking the storm. So do you think God raised up the storm so Jesus could rebuke the storm? Any kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Here Jesus is teaching the people, you're supposed to act on the word of God and you're supposed to demand no matter what the challenge, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, if you're in the will of God, 
Everything has to calm down and obey in Jesus' name. He said, go in my name. Hallelujah. Cast out devils. Trample on serpents, scorpions, all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Those things have to bow. Otherwise, he says, why are you being fearful? And what happened to your faith? All those things that you learned today, why didn't you put them into practice? Is what he asked his disciples. Amen. So things begin to change into the New Testament. Hallelujah. But people haven't changed. Natural people have not changed. We saw how, you know, how can this be? How shall these things be? That was Mary and Nicodemus asking such questions. The natural man comes up with these questions. And uh, they wonder, you know, but praise God. Let's go to another story over in the book of Acts also now. Praise the Lord. I believe that the mercy of God is ministering to us. Acts chapter 27. This um from the life of Paul and uh, he is also going on some journeys and uh, he loved Jerusalem a lot and always tried to somehow pass through Jerusalem in his journeys and particularly on this journey he he went through Jerusalem and he was supposed to go to Rome so it was the will of God for him to go to Rome uh, maybe not entirely the will of God for him to go to Jerusalem that particular time but anyhow he did go. Let's observe, uh, first of all, Acts 23, and notice there in the 11th verse, very plainly written, he says, And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So here he's saying, You went to Jerusalem, you're going to go to Rome also. After all the stuff that happened in Jerusalem, it was tough. He was told about how he was going to be bound and treated there, and, and he still just went. He, he did not bother about whatever anybody said. He said, that none of those things moved me. And he went to Jerusalem, and he had a tough time. He really suffered and became very discouraged. And it was during that discouragement that the Lord appeared to him and said, Okay. Don't worry, you went to Jerusalem, you will also go to Rome. So it's God's will now that he should go to Rome. And now we pick up the story, we go to Acts 27, and we notice he's there. Let's hear uh, in Canada, Acts 23, 11. Sorry, sister. Amen. So the testimony is the thing that you are required for. Your testimony, your interaction with people to share your testimony is everything. Are you getting this? What you're supposed to say, you have to say. Those people you have to meet, you have to meet them. Can you see God working with all this? All that has happened till this moment as we are studying is about that. Now it is Paul's turn. You know, so as you're obeying the will of God, sometimes uh, you're going to face all manner of challenges and winds and waves and situations and people. All of that may arise. 
So let's get to reading. In verse 1 it says, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners into one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. This is all Rome and centurions, you know, people who have authority, at least 100 people under one centurion. Verse 2, and entering into a ship of Adamitrium, interesting, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. Notice that names, places, all that is happening. This is history. These are actual people, actual places. Verse 3, and the next day we touched at Sidon. And Julius courteously entreated Paul. So this particular Roman soldier was very courteous to Paul. You know, he realized who Paul was. And Paul was a Roman citizen from a good background, educated man. And he became very nice to him. And when they passed by a place called Sidon, he allowed Paul to go and meet the brethren. He says he gave him liberty to go on to his friends to refresh himself. Praise God. So he has become a, a kind of VIP. Instead of being uh, treated like a common riffraff and a prisoner by the Jewish people. See God had his plan to actually take him properly. But he loved his people so much. He didn't care if they treated him like a riffraff. He would do anything to just speak to the Jewish people. <laughs> that was Paul. And uh, he suffered from the Jewish people. Anyway... The journey is going on. Verse 4. And when we had launched from, there, from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. So they have, uh, you know, winds out there looking at circumstances. The Bible says, he that observes the winds will not sow. You know, you cannot trust in those things you see. So here, they want to make sure they travel and they were really not supposed to travel at certain times because it was not the right season, all of that, but they're still just pushing through because of whatever motives they had, these sailors and the soldiers. Anyway, verse 5, And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. Now, Cilicia is where Paul, Paul's home is. That He's supposed to be from that province. So he, he must have seen that land probably for the last time. Verse 6, And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into, the, into Italy, and he put us therein. So they changed ships here. Those days there were no jet aircraft and trains. It was all ships. All right. Alexandria, verse 7, And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, Snidus, you know, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon. Verse 8, Hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lassia. Verse 9. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because 
the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. Hallelujah. So in this case here, the fast that is being spoken about is a Jewish fast, and the period is supposed to be October to March, those periods. So during that time, apparently it was not good for sailing. But these guys just wanted to do it, whatever their reasons were. And that is when Paul admonished them. And he said, verse 10, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt. Notice that much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. Hallelujah. So Paul perceived, notice that, you're supposed to have a certain level of perception, always tuning in to say, should I go, shouldn't I go, should I do this, shouldn't I do that? And Paul had that perception that this journey would have a lot of damage, including possibility of losing lives. Amen? Let's hear verse 9 and 10 also in Canada, please. <laughs> Amen. So he signified, he told them all these things. Verse 11 says, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. See, so they decided to not listen to Paul, but listen to the owner of the ship, the master of the ship. The centurion is supposed to be in charge, and he can decide who to listen to, and he decides to ignore Paul in this matter. Verse 12, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, so it's winter time. You're supposed to stop sailing. You're not supposed to be sailing. Because it was not good for, you know, parking and spending time for winter, he said, the more part advised to depart. So more said, let's go. Let's not stay. Amen. That if by any means they might attain to Phoenix, or Phoenix, apparently, there is to winter and a haven of Crete that lies toward the southwest and northwest. Notice all these geographic things mentioned there. They said, let's just go. This is not so nice to rest here. We'll move off to the next place. That's good for resting. Verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, see, the winds looked good. It looked like everything was fine. But that's how winds are. If you miss that little check in the spirit then you are actually opening a door to risky territory and it may even look good on the outside but it's good to listen inside and when the south wind blew softly supposing that they had obtained their purpose losing thence they sailed close to Crete notice that but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called the Euroclidon. Then comes the wind. And this is a serious tempest. You know, Euroclidon was the name. And I guess it had to do with Europe and certain areas there. 
So they're in the Mediterranean towards Europe. They're heading towards Rome. Don't forget that. Hallelujah. Let's um, read from um, verse 10. Let's just read verse 10 in Canada, please. Janare ye prayana dinda saraki go haragi go matra valade namma prani galigu prana galigu kashto wo dhu nashto wo sambhavisu dendu nanege toru tade yendo avaranu yechari sidano. And let's hear eleven also, sister. Adare paulanu yelida matu galiginta nagri kano haragi na. And then verse 14 says also, let's hear that. Amen. So, Amen. So, you know, verse 15 continues, The ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind. We let her drive, running under a certain island which is called Clauda. We had much work to come by the boat which was which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, they strake sail, and so were driven. Being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Wow. They started throwing the cargo out. They started throwing the equipment that runs the ship also. They started dumping everything to lighten the ship so that it would not be broken. All these things are happening and this man is on his way in the will of God to Rome. This is when all this is happening. You can imagine. Here you are obeying God and you're wondering what's all this stuff. But he was already receiving the perception. You remember? He said there, I perceive this, this voyage will be with much hurt and damage and loss but, of course, it's the commander who has to decide. Amen. Verse 19. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. 20. When neither, notice this thing has become so bad now, neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. They didn't see stars. They didn't see the sun for many days. And all hope was gone. Hopeless. Interesting, right? Let's hear this in Kannada, verse 20. Aneka divasagalatanaka, Surya nagali, nakshatra galagali, namage kanisade, dodda gali, birugali, namamele, hodedadarinda, tapisikonde vembudu, yalla nidikshayu, adar... Amen. So you can imagine you're getting blown this way, that way. You have thrown everything abroad. You, you know, you're wondering how light is the ship. Let's just survive. And then eventually it's all cloudy and you can't see stars. You can't see the sun. You can't see anything. It's just blank, gray, 
dark and there's winds blowing this way and that way and man it became so bad they didn't eat they forgot about eating it seems they didn't eat for 14 days so when you're under such kind of tension your appetite sometimes just checks out verse 21 but after long abstinence Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said sirs you should have hearkened unto me you should have listened to me and not have loosed from Crete and have gained this harm and loss. Oof, oof, oof. Praise God. It would have been nice if they had listened, right? But sometimes, you know, the journey you make, not everybody's going to listen and it's tough to listen and it doesn't make sense to listen and things happen. But still, even though they didn't listen, guess what? Uh, there is always a solution in the midst of it all. In the midst of this hopeless situation, Paul stands up and says, you should have listened. It would have been better if you had listened. We wouldn't have gained this much harm and loss. And 22, he says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. After all of this, now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Notice that during this kind of a season, even though he knows it is God's will for him to appear at Rome, because of the way the journey and everything has happened, he also must have started wondering. And so an angel had to appear to confirm to him, don't be worried, don't be moved. Um, God is still in control. You can still be joyful. Hallelujah. Amen. So, hallelujah. I mean, even if it doesn't happen 100% the way that it was supposed to, God still knows intimate details. You're sitting down. You're lying down. He knows His thoughts towards you. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there are angels also. If necessary, they will be unleashed for you. Praise God. And he says, the angel came, whose I am and whom I serve. He said, I belong to God, that's one thing, but I also work for Him. They're two different things, right? You belong to God and you serve God. Hallelujah. Verse 14, 24, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. You have to appear before Caesar. You have to go where you're supposed to go. And God has given all. You're the salt. Instead of being thrown out, <laughs> you're going to be kept in that ship because you will preserve that ship and those people. Amen? When you travel in the will of God, you are the salt. You're the one that keeps. You're the one that preserves everybody else. Just like the husband and wife, the believing partner, sanctifying the unbelieving. In a similar manner, when you are traveling with people who are unsaved or unbelievers, because you are on that journey, they are preserved, they are protected. Even if they're not going the way that they were supposed to go. Isn't that interesting? But he needed to hear that. He needed the angel to come and confirm that to him also, because this is a disastrous thing. I mean, a minimum of 14 days. They're just blown here and there. They can't see anything eventually. Wild stuff. And Paul has been through these kind of things three times. He said, thrice I was shipwrecked in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
three times, thrice. So, wow, he's been going through these kind of things. Shall we hear um, maybe verse 22 also in Kannada, please? Praise God. Please go on. Finish that also. 24. Amen. Praise God. And the story continues. The journey is still going on. He says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Hallelujah. Why do we get excited? Because we believe God, whom without seeing, we still believe and rejoice Woo, hallelujah. We joy unspeakable, full of glory. We just believe in the midst of it all, you know, we should be laughing at famine and pestilence, the Bible says. Praise God. So learn to uh, occasionally look at everything and just have a good laugh. <laughs> look at the news and laugh because you believe God. You are His and you serve Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Let's hear verse 25 also in Kannada, please. Adadarinda janare dairyavagiri nanage helalpatta prakarave aagudendu devarannu nambuttene. Hallelujah. Then he continues, Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Now this is a very interesting little detail there that God also told him. He said, we're going to have to drop off at a certain island. God's good. He may even give you some route maps also. Hallelujah. Better than GPS. 25. But when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight. So they've been just going this way and that way, <laughs> blown up and down 14 days. Can you imagine that? Just, just going here, there. Haven't got a clue what's going on. Oof, that's a... Whew, haranguing experience. Your soul can just freak out. Amen. About midnight, the shipmen re, uh, deemed, they, they thought they, they had gotten somewhere. They deemed that they drew near to some country. They said, I think we have reached some place. And sounded and found 20 fathoms. When they had gone a little further, sounded again and found 15 fathoms. So back in those days, they would throw... Uh, a weight with a rope down and check how many feet it was to the bottom. That's what they were saying, to see whether they've reached some place shallow. Amen? Verse 29, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. So they put four anchors out and said, Let's wait till daybreak. 30, And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under the color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. 
So here they are pretending, you know, they're like, we'll escape, man. You know what? We'll say that we're going to cast the anchors and then we will scoot. They've got their plans also because they're like, you know, 276 people on this ship. And they are prisoners and business folk and also the soldiers. And so they're like, hey, man, this is a good chance for us to escape. Let's do as though we're throwing the anchors. And then under the color of that, we'll escape. But Paul was watching. How do you like that? Paul is not just sleeping. He's watching. He's really involved in this 31. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Except these guys also stay here. Everybody has to stay here because... Those who stay are the ones who are going to be preserved. They're going to be kept. So if you escape, you're in trouble. Hallelujah. 32. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. So the soldiers said, fine, guys, that's it. Let go of this thing and those who are going to stay have to stay. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. said 14 days you've not eaten anything. Praise God. They must have been skinny, tired, worn out, beaten down. He said, why don't you eat? He's concerned, right? Wherefore I pray you take some meat, for this is your, for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. Praise God. He said, I'm telling you, just eat. Not a hair shall fall off your head. 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God loudly out there in the presence of them all. When he had broken it, he began to eat. Amen. See, under those conditions, somebody has to say, hey man, it's enough. Let's eat. Come on. And unless there's someone like that, they just have no interest. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. Hallelujah. Let's hear verse 35 also in Canada, please. Rotinu tegidu kondu, yallara munde, devara sotra madi, adannu muridu, tinnu udakke prarambisidanu. Amen. So I believe that Paul was also saying, God will provide for us, God will take care of us. This is like, I am just affirming his covenant and giving him thanks, breaking bread here. 36, then we're all of good cheer, and they did eat also. And we were all, notice, in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. That's 276 souls. That's a lot of people just being tossed here and there. 38, when they had eaten enough, they're satisfied, they lightened the ship. That means they throw throw out everything, including the food. They cast the wheat out into the sea. So it was not just some kind of a, a strong prisoner type of journey. It was using businessmen's ships and all of that stuff. So a lot of factors are there. Verse 39, And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore they were minded, if it were possible, to go and thrust in there. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves to the sea, <laughs> loosed the rudder bands, hoist up the mainsail to the wind, and made toward the shore. Falling into place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, 
the fore part stuck fast and removed and remained unmovable the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves man destruction begins to happen amen and the soldiers counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape but the centurion willing to save paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which should swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land so they are planning to kill the prisoners now all kinds of stuff going on and you are in the will of god on the way to your target and all this is happening it happens because if you don't listen to that little test inside that says shall i go shouldn't i go shall i go shall i stay all that stuff you know it's nice to little little by little note these things and make an average in your life amen we are not always up to the mark we make mega bloomers and mega you know mistakes but praise god god is faithful and still he was able to lead paul on the way 44 and the rest some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land <laughs> ah ha ha interesting they all escaped safe to land so they got to land now after all of this praise god then starts chapter 28 and observe when they were escaped they knew that the island was called melita and that's where publius and all the was there remember and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness for they kindled a fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold is really cold and rainy and when paul had gathered a bundle of sticks so paul has been busy and he's still busy he was watching everything and now he's the guy gathering sticks also interesting right bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire they came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand now you know it's interesting you are going in the will of god you are open you are available you are yielded and all of these things happening and now you just arrange to help people with some fire and behold a serpent is hitting your hand and you are is hanging there and people are watching and they can see <laughs> praise god <laughs> let's hear the last verse in uh, uh, the previous 27 in canada that last verse please dilake hogbekantalu mikkadavaru ralli kelavaru haligegala mele kelavaru adige adigina tundugala mele hogbekantalu appane kottanu Amen. So they've reached and now this is the gathering of the sticks and the serpent has is a viper, very poisonous guy. And the Bible continues, and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt, this man is a murderer. Notice that God is punishing him. That's the unbeliever. but believers also say the same you see god is punishing him god after everything god is not letting him god allowed all these things to happen and now praise god 
they said it about Jonah. I mean, there were some things there that you could say the guy was, you know, definitely things happened because God arranged. But to now bring that to the New Testament, you're going to be like the barbarian or the unbeliever. So this is the time to say no to the natural man and yield back to the things of the Spirit and say, I don't care. I'm in the will of God. And I'm going where I'm supposed to go. And if a serpent comes out, and if all hell breaks loose, and the storms come, and whatever it is, I'm going to command things, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to believe God. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to break bread. I'm going to get excited. Hallelujah. Amen. So they said this guy has done all of these sins, and therefore uh, judgment has caught up with him. That's why this has happened. And even after escaping and coming to this island, now the serpent has caught him. Verse 5, And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Glory to God. He didn't even bother. Just flung it off and just continued. Verse 6, Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen and fallen down dead suddenly, but after had looked a great while, they saw no harm had come to him. They changed their minds and said he was a God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. So this is how those ratings go. You know, the world says this, believers say that, but you have to know what does God say about it. It doesn't matter. We're in the midst of all manner of stuff, storms and, you know, serpents and all of that stuff. And sometimes... There, there are poisonous things that are spoken against you that you may uh, ingest and it can cause bitterness and really others' lives will not profit out of you because you are observing those vain things. It's, it's time to just throw them into the fire and be profitable and be a salt unto others. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't really matter. Jesus is our ideal and he was resting in the will of God. They woke him up and he spoke and he acted. And he asked, where is our faith? So he's going to ask us again. And he comes along in the journey, the midst of it all, with angels and minister strength and gives you the right word in season. And he knows what we can bear. We are not like Paul. Paul could bear some stuff. Praise God. I believe that we can bear whatever is there in this stage, this particular time that we are here. It may not be on Paul's level of bearing, but at least he knows what we can bear. And he said, you can do this, man. 2020 is easy. You can handle it. It's no big deal. I've got angels to keep charge over you. They will bear you in their hands. You will not dash your foot against anything. No evil will befall you. No plague will come near you. Just make sure that the seed is, is clearly planted without the cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, lusts of other things. It's going to be all right. Don't worry. You can make it. God is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's the Father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. He's our Father. The God of Paul is our Father. Amen. God whose I am, whom I serve. Praise God. Let's observe also in Canada, maybe um, verse 4. Hallelujah. Verse 4. 
ಸಮುದ್ರದಿಂದ ತಪ್ಪಿಸಿಕೊಂಡು ಬಂದರೂ ನ್ಯಾಯ ಇವನನ್ನು ಬದುಕು ಬದುಕಗೊಳಿಸುವುದಿಲ್ಲವೆಂದು ತಮ್ಮ ತಮ್ಮೊಳಗೆ ಮಾತಾಡಿಕೊಂಡರು ಇವನು ಆದರೆ ಪೌಲನು ಆ ಜಂತುವನ್ನು ಬೆಂಕಿಯೊಳಕ್ಕೆ ಜಾಡಿಸಿ ಬಿಟ್ಟ ಬಿಟ್ಟನು ಅವನಿಗೆ ಏನು ಕೇಡಾಗಲಿಲ್ಲ ಇವನು ಬಾತು ಹೋದಾನು ಇಲ್ಲವೇ ಆಕಸ್ಮಿತವಾಗಿತ್ತು ಬಿದ್ದಾನು ಎಂದು ಅವರು ನೋಡಿಕೊಂಡೇ ಇದ್ದರು ಬಹಳ ಹೊತ್ತು ನೋಡಿ ನೋಡಿಕೊಂಡಿದ್ದ ಮೇಲೆ ಅವಗೆ ವಿಕಾರವೇನು ಆಗಲಿಲ್ಲ ಎಂದು ಕಂಡು ಬೇರೆ ಯೋಚನೆಯುಳ್ಳವರಾಗಿ ಇವನು ಒಬ್ಬ ದೇವರು ಎಂದು ಹೇಳಿಕೊಂಡರು and the captain is jesus and we listen to his voice and we are in fellowship we're going down the journeys of life and there will be challenges but he knows what you can do what you can bear how much you can bear and he always makes a way for us to escape hallelujah and eventually we're going to all escape from this place hallelujah and so don't be moved be comforted be encouraged you live one day at a time rejoice read these verses listen to these things over and over god is a faithful god i'm so glad that it is our turn now that we are the ones on the earth today and we have all these track records to examine and uh, praise god you know speak what you have to speak tell those people who you have to tell you know it sounds a little weird but it has to be said you know god is a faithful god there was this testimony i heard from uh, someone who knows us who also partners and hears the word with us um they had you know couple of people working for them and that day they were stood up to study psalm 26 and 27 and they had taken authority over every demonic thing that would try to hinder their labor force and work bound things off them and so on and then suddenly they heard about this person falling from two stories you know high onto the ground bang like that and then hit the head on a brass tap also and so they rushed out and checked the person and guess what nothing was wrong just a little bleeding there they did the ct and x-ray and whatever scans they had to do and there was nothing wrong with the person completely but they had that stirring that day to bind certain things off their workforce and you know they were just meditating and thinking about how they are the salt and preservation praise god so as you're praying and pondering and studying you know listen to those things rising up those little checks and obey them and god is a faithful god he knows he needs your lips he needs you to believe he needs you to speak he needs you to act on those things hallelujah he's a good god he's the loving heavenly father he still cares intimately he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us thoughts for good not evil to give us a future and a hope to bring us to the expected end he has a good plan for you and is full of thoughts towards you and he wants to use you to fill not just the church but also affect the world praise god so that food you're receiving today is going to affect others also glory to god i'm excited i'm grateful to god that somehow i could bring all this it looked like a lot of reading but hey enjoy it's fun to read this is the only book that endures forever 
endures forever and amazing. Somebody said they saw um, Jonah in heaven and they asked him, <laughs> was it a whale or a big fish? And he was so angry, it seems. I don't know how true all that is, but Jesus said it was a whale and uh, it's true. Amen? So praise God. Let's worship Him for a minute. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you are the good God, our Father, and that you have spoken and you have fed us and you have taught us that you are good and you know how much we can bear that temptations, trials, and problems are common to all men. You are faithful. You know what we can bear and you will always make a way for us to escape. Thank you for keeping us in the center of your will, helping us to not observe lying vanities, but to observe your counsel, your plan and purpose in this day and hour. We are grateful, Abba Father. Lord, I thank you for ministering strength and comfort to those who are in a hard place today. In Jesus' name. We declare strength in Jesus' name. We declare clarity in receiving the perception of God. The simple check of should I or shouldn't I? Should I go or should I stay back? The simple check on the inside. May that become so clear. We worship you for angels. We worship you for the heavenly realms open to us right now. Help us to be single-minded. Help us to do what you told us to do, Lord. We worship you. We honor you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank Sister Shoba, who you heard on the other side doing Canada for us. Thank you, Sister. My pleasure. Amen. We're going to spend a little time um, receiving um, the communion elements, and we're going to go also into tithes and offerings. So. This is a good time for us to contemplate. Has God ministered anything to you? Has He told you specifically to do certain things? You can always say, Lord, I'm sorry I, I neglected or I just became vain in my imagination. I became like everybody else and I just thought about myself and nobody else. But Lord, I really want to be in the center of your will. Whatever you created me for in 2020, I want to be right in the middle of that. You can always talk to him, pour out your heart, tell him these things. And the God who spoke to Jonah will reason with you. And whatever you do for him, do it cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver, doer. He loves the cheerful service. Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's how he likes it. So why don't you think about these things? Why don't you prayerfully consider it today as we get ready don't forget, He gave His life for us. We owe Him our lives. He's our Lord. Amen. I have been trying to do things to speak to people that are hard to speak to. And it's not been very easy, but we'll put one step in front of the other. Hallelujah. Shall we take the communion elements? If you have some bread with you, you can just use it or some roti. Thank you. Hallelujah. We remember the God 
of Jonah, the God who bore with him, who reasoned with him, who loved the people, who loved the nations and the cattle and their pets. We are so grateful that you love your creation, that you paid the price to fill the earth with your goodness. You rose from the lowest hell to the highest heaven. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We are grateful. We commit our houses, our families, the work of our hands, all that we do to your care. And there shall be no loss of anything, loss of lives, loss of property, but rather there shall be increase because you paid, you paid the ultimate price. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for helping us to meet our target audience, that our footsteps are ordered by you, that we'll be at the right place at the right time that will be divinely led. We thank you. We acknowledge you. You are working in us both to will and do your good pleasure. You began the good work in us. You are faithful. You will accomplish it. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, shall we eat and drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 As we journey, Lord, as we step out by faith, as we speak words, as we pray, as we go out there, Lord, thank you for helping us to meet the right people, to be at the right place at the right time. Thank you for angels keeping us from death and destruction. Thank you, Lord, that you deliver and honor us. You're the glory and the lifter of our head. Whatever the world is running after is coming to us. The earth is yielding for us. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you. Freely all things. Freely all things. Because you gave Jesus freely. We thank you. We yield to you, great Lord and Savior. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you'd like to give an offering, it's a good chance. We believe that this work is worth doing. And God is faithful. And uh, the equipment and stuff that we've been using is getting better. So the pictures are getting better. And um, let's see how it goes. I believe that by a couple of days' time, we may have the open church again. And we are still planning to have online because of limitations. Let's see what we can do, but keep these things in prayer. We believe God. Hallelujah. Shall we give in Jesus' name? Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to give in this day and hour. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for the honor of giving. To the God of Paul, the God of Jonah. Hallelujah. In this day and hour. Thank you, Father. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We also use this as a point of contact to those who are tithing and giving. Father, in Jesus' name. Here mortal men receive, but there he that lives forever receives. We thank you that the curse is over. There's a blessing. There's the wealth. There's the mercy. There's the goodness. There's the increase of God coming to your people in this day and hour.
special anointings, special counsel and wisdom to prosper, to increase in this day. May we laugh at famine and pestilence. Those spirits, those demons have no power over us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You are blessed.